Hi, this is Dr. Marv Rosenberg with the Safaris of Image of a Girl fame, and I'd like to welcome you to The Anatomy of a Hit, the show that will give you the inside story of a hit record from its birth till it reaching the charts. Today we are going to discuss this great oldie from 1957. It's Maybe by the Chantels, the first successful modern girl group of the rock era that set the stage for future all-girl groups like the Shirelles, the Shangri-Las, the Ronettes, the Supremes, and so many others. The Chantels' musical journey started out when they were preteens, attending choir practice at St. Anthony of Padua School in the Bronx. By 1957, they had been singing together more than seven years. A staple of their musical diet was of Gregorian chants, hymns, and classical music, which were drilled into them so they learned to perfect and change notes and parts, which became second nature to them. Unlike their male counterparts, girls weren't able to hang out on street corners at all hours practicing. So in 1957, much of their practicing took place in the girls' locker room. You see, Arlene Smith, the lead singer, was a member of the girls' basketball team. Whether win or lose, the group would sing after every game in the girls' locker room. Their ages of the group in 1957 was from 13 to only 16 years of age. They not only rehearsed, at the gym at school, but at Arlene's house. Here she explains why rehearsals were held there. This is from an interview at a live performance. And they used to rehearse at my house because they wouldn't let me go out. So the rehearsals, and I had this piano, so I might as well. And I learned a couple of chords on the piano. Da, 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 da. You can write anything to that song. Um, and that's what I did. And I had a lot of downtime because after homework was done, you were done. You, you, there was no going out, so you have to entertain yourself. How did the group get their name, the Chantels? Lois Harris, one of the original Chantels, tells the story of this on an interview with WGHT Morning Show in New Jersey. Uh, can, you, can you let our listeners know how the name or where the name the Chantels came from? It was a combination of, we, we played basketball, well, I didn't play, uh, Sonia and, and Renee played, and I think Arlene, and one of the games was at a school called St. Francis de Chantal, and uh, actually St. Jane Francis de Chantal. Mm. So Jackie and Sonia and I think maybe Renee were at, at one of their homes and they were all trying to figure out a name for the group and they called me and said, what could we do with that? And I said, well, you know, Chanteuse in French is singer 
and Chanteras to sing. So we said, what about the Chantels? But we pronounce it Chantels. Right. And so that was how it was born. It is amazing that you went to St. Anthony's, mm -hmm. but you named yourself almost after a different school, a competition school. Yeah. That's it's. See, so you guys. The well, because school. it was nothing. What's what's catchy in St. Anthony of Padua? What could, there wasn't much we could do with that. No, nope, nope, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you know. But uh, Chant Chantel sounded very. Um, it just sounded very exotic to us. So, how did the girls go about trying to get in touch with a producer or a record company? It had to do with them being a fan of the Valentines a doo-wop group which featured their lead singer, Richard Barrett, who was a producer and also discovered Frankie Lyman. Lois Harris, again, in this interview with WGHT, explained how this happened. We were on our way downtown in New York City to uh, see, see a show that was, I think, at the State Theater. I'm not positive. And... Uh, we were just meandering around, and, uh, and we were dressed alike, and there was a guy who saw us and said, uh, oh, are you sisters? And we said, no, we sing. And he said, well, I have a studio upstairs. It might have been the Brill Building. And we went up with him, and he started to tinker on the piano. And, and I happened to look out the window, and I saw three of the Valentines, which was Richard Barrett, and then um, Ronnie, uh, I can't remember Ronnie's last name, and, and David, who right. was... Uh, they were two singers in the group. And uh, so we called down to them, and they said, come down. We told the guy upstairs that we had to leave. And we went down, and we started to talk to the Valentines. And Richard said, well, you know, what do you, why are you dressed alike? And we said, because we sing. Um. <laughs> he said, well, sing something. And we sang something. And he said, you know, you sound, you know, I could probably do something with you. And we said, mm, yeah, right. And he said, well, I didn't lie to Frankie Lyman. And we knew he discovered Frankie. Right. And then he took phone numbers, and he about it seemed like months, <laughs> and, but it was actually a, a couple of weeks. And he called Arlene Smith's uh, uh, house and spoke to her mother and father, and said that he wanted to set up a meeting, and that's what we did. And uh, he said he would work with us, and he would take us around to. He had a, somebody in mind, and he would take us around when he thought we were ready, and that's what he did. And the person was George Goldner from, um, at the time, Gone Records, and he created the end label uh, to record us, and then eventually the Isley Brothers, Anthony and the Imperials, the Flamingos, etc., etc. Several weeks passed without a call back from Richard Barrett. Not being timid, Jackie Landry, another original Chantel, told a friend of hers in the teen chords of their encounter, and he gave her Richard Barrett's address. The Chantels dropped by to see Barrett, reminding him of their meeting. Barrett wasted no time in setting up a rehearsal and meeting with the group's mothers. So Richard Barrett arranged the Chantels' first song, He's Gone, which was written by the Chantels' lead singer Arlene Smith, about an ex-boyfriend while she was practicing the piano. So here is the Chantel's first single, He's Gone, which reached the national top 100 
but unfortunately stopped at number 71. recording session on October 16, 1957, featured the song that put the Chantels on the map. It's Maybe. The song was not recorded in a regular recording studio, but because of better acoustics, they recorded the song Maybe in a refurbished church in Midtown Manhattan. Barrett played the piano along with the support of bass and drums. The vocals used a technique called pyramids, where one voice sustains and the others move. It climbed the charts in January 1958, reaching number 15 in the Billboard Hot 100 and number 2 in the Billboard R&B chart. It was subsequently described as arguably the first true glimmering of the girl group's sound, with words and music originally credited to N Records owner George Goldner and someone named Casey. You know, it was not unusual at the time that producers or record companies took credit for the songwriting, and Arlene was believed to be an uncredited co-writer in that song. In an interview at a performance, Arlene Smith took questions from the audience and was asked what it was like walking into the studio to record the Chantel's songs. This was Arlene's response. 
Hi. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for, for all the music you gave us. Thank you. And uh, my question to you is, what was it like going in the recording studio? I guess Rich, Richard Barrett was your uh, producer. What were those sessions like, those early sessions you did at End Records? They were, um, they were exciting, but we didn't walk in. We walked in overly prepared. Uh, Richard was relentless with the rehearsing and getting everything letter perfect, and he also played the piano on many of the songs that you heard the introductions. He only learned how to play the black keys, so I sang in B flat a lot. Um, uh, when you walked in, there was an air of excitement. Usually there was a combo set up similar to the one you see with four musicians and a, drum, uh, a, a horn player named Sam, uh, Buddy Lucas. Yeah. And Buddy Lucas played on a lot of our gigs. And it was done very simply. I had a booth. The girls had their booth and four on one mic and, and myself on another. I used to write out my lyrics, even though I knew them. But I just kind of zone and just read and just look at the words. And uh, it was, it, I, I heard a criticism and I laughed to myself. Because I said, hmm, that's something that a non-lead singer would say. But the more they, the, the mistakes they made, I loved it because I got a chance to do it again. And I used to think, wow, if I could just do this 50 more times, I'd get it perfect, you know? <laughs> and I kept tr thinking, I, I compartmentalized. I'd be at the mic, but in the back of my mind, I've got scenarios playing. So if it's something I'm supposed to be really sad about, I got into it from a different mental, you know what I mean? It was, I had to, I had to give 150% so that the people listening to their radios and radios was, wasn't as sophisticated as they are now. You couldn't, you, you know, play with buttons. You had an on or off and, a up, you know, it was very simple. So I wanted to make sure that what I was feeling was being communicated even through a, a car radio or a radio in the house. And then somebody said, well, you know, uh, that's what the volume control was for. But uh, you know, as a kid, you don't know. And, and uh, Elena so wonderfully put that I was 16, but I was 14 and a half. Because they were so young, a lot of people were wondering, how did they go on tour and be kept safe? Lois Harris explains. Because we were always pretty much well guarded in our dressing room. <laughs> we were not allowed out. We couldn't socialize with anybody oh, because we were, we were so young. Yeah. And so Richard was very, he was like a guard dog. dog. He, he was ferocious <laughs> when it came to anyone coming near our door. And he would always, if he wasn't there, he would have somebody stand there and make sure that nobody came in our room. He probably we weren't allowed out yeah. until it was time for us to go down and, and get on stage. And occasionally, if it was a group we really wanted to see, we would beg Richard to let us go down and see them from the wings. RememberThenRadio.com All oldies, all the time. Remember Then Radio The soundtrack of our lives Playing all the oldies All that you can't rely we are your best companion every single night and day 
So join us for sweet memories that will surely come your way. Maybe was covered by other artists. Let's hear a few. Janis Joplin, would you believe, did her version of Maybe. Shangri-Las of Leader of the Pack fame also did a rendition. single for end records was every night i pray another gem that sounded like arlene's writing style and she claims she wrote it although it showed goldner's name on the record as the writer every night hit the pop charts on march 31st 1958 and reached number 39 on the pop charts and number 16 on the r&b charts let's hear that beautiful song by the chantels every night I pray.
The next single in April 1961 was called I Love You So. It became the first non-Arlene Smith composition to be released as an A-side. It was written by Watkins and Davis, the latter a member of the Crows who did Shaboom, but it turned out to be their last hit on end. The success of Little Anthony and the Imperials kept end records preoccupied in late 1958 and 59, and the result being less promotional support for the Chantels. They were dropped from the record company. Let's hear that great song by the Chantels, I Love You So. Since the Chantel's contract with End Records ended in the summer of 61, Barrett took the Chantel's to Carlton Records. Their first release on Carlton was Look In My Eyes, which went all the way to number 14 on the pop charts and number 6 on the rhythm and blues chart. This song was with a full orchestra. Remember this one? Look In My Eyes.
time went by, the Chantels as a group started to come to an end. Arlene Smith left the group for a solo career and even worked with Phil Spector. Later, Arlene became a teacher. Lois Harris dropped out to become a nurse. Other members, and later on Arlene and Lois, each formed their own set of Chantels performing on the oldie circuit. The Chantels will always be remembered for their beautiful harmonies and setting a girls group trend for many other future female groups. The Chantels were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010. Let's hear the most successful recorded song by the Chantels in full. Here it is. It's called Maybe. Dr. Marv Rosenberg of the Safaris. Hope you enjoyed the show. Goodbye, everybody.